This is the Championship Club Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Championship Club's podcast. My name is Jack Zorab. I'm a guest host today. And there are the regulars alongside me and uh, Ben Gulliver down in Devon. Of course, one of them. Gully, how are you, mates? You doing all right? Yeah, good. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, thanks for dropping on. It's, um, it's nice to keep us, quite, well, me on my toes, really, because we've Mike's been obviously a, a mainstay of the show now from the, from the get-go. We've had a couple of guest goes along the way. Uh, Mike's moved on to a new job now. So, we wish him well, but we'll um, we will be seeing Mike again on on the podcast down the line. But it's great to have you on, Jack, and I know you were involved with the, the team of the year last year, so it's it's good to have you on board, mate. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike Casey. Uh, is he in the his first week of his new job? Regular face, regular host. Yeah, Mike's Mike's landed a, a role with with Man City, um, not directly, <laughs> but he's sort of account managing a role there. I don't know the full details of it, but he's. Uh, you know, he's been a mainstay of Donny for nine years uh, and a big fan of the champ. And now he's, uh, as a result of that, much like many of the players within the league, he's, he's kicked on to a, a new challenge and and, and uh, is, we wish him well, obviously. Yeah, I'll do my best to make sure that there are, he's going to be brought back by popular demand quickly to the podcast um, as soon as possible. Um, well, Gully, fantastic uh, to have you around. Let's get, let's get down to business. And... Um, Review of a review of the last rounds, six rounds in from the championship now. Three points between the first three teams at the moment. Um, so at least at the top, uh, it's pretty close. If you if you ignore some of the big points that have been scored by Ealing, I guess. But at this stage in the season, um, early though it is, good to see good to see teams contesting at the top. Even though Ealing, of course, look look monstrous. Yeah, it's. Um, I think because we're two weeks apart now on the pod. Um, over that two weeks, the league the league has shifted a little bit. I think the last time we were on, there was. There was two or three points between top and second from bottom. Now the league's starting to take a little bit of shape, isn't it? And like you said, there's there's been some tight games. Uh, I think everyone's lost a game. Um, I guess later on we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the tightness of the league shortly. But then there is the anomaly. There is there is healing in the league, and you know them. I've been in and around this league for nearly 20 years. Uh, I don't think I've seen a 100-point game ever. Um, and I know yeah. of, with our team of the week, you know, we could have picked 15 Ealing players quite comfortably. But we like to, you know, there's, there's good players in and around of the team. So that's why we share the love on that. Um, and then obviously Bedford had a shocker the week before. And then they, they go down to Hartbury, who have been flying, and they stick 40 on, on Hartbury, which is which is a great result for Bedford. Um, so, yeah, fair play to them. Pirates chuck one on um, a cough down at, down at the Mene. And it seems after Pirates had that slip against Hartbury, it seems that they've they've, they've come good. I think their injury list is looking a little bit better. So they're, they're, they're going great guns. And as we know, sort of Pirates, Pirates away from home is tough. But once they get their straps on the road, um, you know they're, they're they're going to be in and around the top three for sure, and along with Jersey, who, who picked up a good win at Richmond away, and obviously we've we've left a couple out there. So I'll, I'll leave you to enjoy the next bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wise wise choice, I guess. Yeah, um, until uh, against Doncaster and, and that last minute uh, Jack Spittle breakaway try, um, which which didn't I'm I'm amazed didn't get try of the week uh, this week. Of course, the Bedford the Bedford Mafia voted. Voted in uh, their try, but but yeah, that that ending uh, quite something. But not if you were on the wrong side of it. And uh, our guest today, uh, sadly, Paul Turner was on the wrong side of it. Paul, it is uh, fantastic to have you on, uh, and all your experience in the rugby world led to us this week. So thank you very much for joining us. But commiserations on that on that uh, eighteen twenty last last minute loss. 
can you remember your your, your reaction at the time? Um, yeah, it was one of those um, slow car crash um, events. Really, it was um, you could just see it all happening. Um, and the week before, sort of similar, really, when we went over to Jersey and uh, pretty much unfancied going over there. They, they were on form. We weren't. We just copped one off Bedford, I think, the week before. And, um, yeah, then then this week as well, it was... Um, so two games, and as Gully's just mentioned, that the, the tightness of the league, you know, this week we, we could have been third and we'd probably head in for ninth, you know, so... Um, We've 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 left five points on the table, um, definitely two out in Jersey, and then this one, it was pretty cruel actually because we didn't play particularly well. But um, at half time, said to the boys, you know, eighteen three, we 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 hadn't played well at all, and um, eighteen points wasn't going to be enough to win the game. That was that was my words, and um, the last play. Um, we've won a penalty, we've kicked to the corner, so we got over a bonus point. And uh, we didn't get our drill right and, and copped it the other end of the field. And that, that was it, really. It was, um, you know, you get, we've all had them in, in our careers, whether it's a late win or a, um, a late defeat like that. But it wasn't very good, to be honest. There's a lot of boys that, um, that uh, were terrible after the game. But... Um, you know, we've got to put it aside. Actually, if you look at it positively, we've, you know, we're a semi-pro side and, um, you know, we've pushed two uh, fully pro sides in the last two weeks. So there's some good in it. It was just we couldn't quite get over the line. Yeah, Tommy, it must be, and, I, and we've known each other for a long time and I've copped, you know, those last minute losses with Amtel and those last minute wins. Um, sort of in terms of your sort of development or, because we, we all develop as coaches, don't we? Like how, how do you, how do you lift the boys up from from those? Because the, the draw away in Jersey on the outside looks like a great result, but for you guys, it'll look like a loss or feel like a loss, you know, and like how, how are you, um, how are you, how are you sort of preparing for, for the next, next crop of fixtures? And, you know, what was your initial reaction were you, were you mad? Were you angry? Or was it just, just deflation? Uh, you go through certain, certain periods in your career, Gully, where the different buzzwords become involved. My emotional intelligence on the weekend, you can well imagine what it was like. Um, <laughs> it possibly wasn't good. Um, and you reflect on those sort of things because we've got two weeks off now. That's the worst thing about it. We've got uh, no game this week because we've got a bye and then we've got a reserve week the following week so we don't come back uh, after it all happened for three weeks uh, which I don't know whether that's good or bad so um, yeah we start back in you know three weeks time against Richmond away and then we've got a full sort of six or seven games I think up to the Christmas period which will be pretty tough but every side in the league will be like that as well. Mm. Well, can I just um, ask about this is the right forum for this for this type of debate, I think. But the we often hear coaches say uh, one week at a time, one game at a time, and they make apologies for being so um, so one game at a time. But if you are taking it one game at a time and you have a result like that, then understandably it, it ruins your week um, and and really pisses you off. I, I, I imagine for until you get that chance to exercise it the next weekend and you've got a break now, so it's gonna it's gonna bruise. It works for some, Jack, you know, and like, unfortunately, it, it probably isn't working for us at the moment. But, you know, that's that's the way of the makeup of the season, you know, where there's only 11 clubs in our league. So there's always going to be one missing out uh, on a bye weekend, you know. I suppose with the season as well, we take into account of 
uh, what goes on in the Premiership as well, because we get some loan bodies from those clubs or whatever clubs in your area. We deal with like Saracens and Wasps at the moment. Um, and then they go into a Premiership Cup after this week. So our side will change, as will a lot of other clubs, I would have thought. And the size will change over those periods, you know, some for good, some for bad, really. But um, it's it's a different kind of season, you know. It's come, the season has come in after, a, you know, what seemed like our last game, I think it was in June of that 10-game season that we had in the in the Championship. And you had to do your recruiting, you know, lockdown and after, and then was the season on, was it, wasn't it on? And then all of a sudden now, you know, we finished the season and started the season pretty quickly again um, and with a new squad. So, uh, you know, we are, we are pretty, we're, we're different. You'd, you'd re- you wouldn't recognise this gully from what we were in our years building up with all those promotions to get where we are. But... Even from the from the ten game championship season that we went through with Saracens in our league, you know our personnel has changed rapidly, really. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we're a new side trying to get things together. So so those five points we dropped would have been brilliant if we could have um, been third now because we'd have been third instead of Jersey. You know, if we'd have if we'd have won the game over there and then. Not faulted on the last play um, on the weekend. Yeah, Tommy, I just you just mentioned I was going to ask you about sort of how the squad looks and how how it works up there now. From when I was there, sort of, I left in two thousand and eighteen, I think it was, and we you, we you guys you leaned on the the loan order dual wedge players from from all around the prem. Really, we had guys coming down from everywhere. Do you, are you working with any in particular, or is it sort of you mentioned Saris, obviously Saints? You don't work with those guys anymore because Bedford have got that all sewn up. Um, where where you've got your dual reg, you know, and obviously you've still got your likes of Lecky and Kev still still trotting out for you. Um, yeah. But the bet recruitment's been been a tricky one because it's, it's we've mentioned before the Ampton model is completely different, isn't it, to anything else within the league? It's just I just wondered how the, yeah. how you found challenges. Well, it's, it's different, Gully, because you know we had um, we dealt with Leicester before lockdown. You know, we had we had uh, the England fullback Freddie Stewart with us. We had Sam Costello the, the fly half. Now we're probably more aligned, definitely aligned with Saracens, um, and, and and more aligned with Wasps now. So, um, but yeah, look, you know the, the the one season that we had our first season in the Championship, where I think we came sixth or yeah seventh or something like that. We um, the funding was a lot better, so the funding has gone down now. So we are actually dealing with these clubs a lot more. Um, and it's great having them as there's, you know, the, the premiership sides don't get a lot wrong with their academies these days. There's boys coming through, and the ones that we're having from all those clubs I mentioned um, are, are very good players. Um, but with us, they make their mistakes and they learn, and <laughs> and that's where you get, you know. So, but we we're, we're indebted to these clubs where we where we loan these boys. Um, you are right, you know, the, the end years with you, I think we plastered you up for about two seasons, didn't we? And uh, yeah. I remember your debut, I can remember your debut over in Rouen where you were just broken. It was the biggest yeah. pack. We went over to Rouen and it was the biggest pack in France, the biggest pack I think I'd ever seen. And that was yeah. that your debut? Yeah, my debut. And I, I, 
I broke after. <laughs> nice little pre-season, was it? Oh, mate, it oh. was, uh, yeah, Tommy, we went out to Rouen, he was thinking, oh, this would be a great trip. Uh, and it was a great trip, don't get me wrong. But I'd come <laughs> off, um, oh, I'd had so many operations at Bedford, broken man, and we played, you, you kept me on for 70 minutes or 80. Yeah, and I, was, yeah. I was done at 40. Yeah, <laughs> I need no, I can remember you played the second team game on the Wednesday before, and you I think something yeah. like that. Was, um, no, but look, you, you, I remember you saying to me uh, three years later, "Look, I've had a great time with these boys." But the first couple of weeks, I thought, "Have I done the right thing?" Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but we had some great times after that, didn't we? You know, we, we had some promotions and um, yeah. some good wins against some famous old clubs. One of them being your old club, Coventry. You know. Um, I can remember that win at our place um, against Cov, which must have been mixed emotions for you. Well, it was a little bit. It was because Dad was obviously team manager uh, for mm. Cov. And it's, I don't know, it's just, I said to uh, when Alex Ray was on here about the rivalry between Cov and Amtel, and I don't know what it is uh, there, but obviously I loved getting one over on the old man and Coventry. It was a, good, <laughs> it was a great day for the club, uh, for, for Amtel. And, I think, like, for me, it's like you look at the story and I look at, like, I went, when you guys beat Pirates last year and I dropped Lab a message, I dropped you a message. And I, th I don't think people from the outside world realise how big that is for a club like Ampton to go down there and get their first wins against these clubs. Because, Tommy, it's come on a journey from pretty much nowhere, hasn't it? And it's, it's yeah, now yeah. a championship club. I, I, yeah, well, I, it's my 10th season now. And uh, I, I think you've hit on a point there, Gully. When, I don't think clubs rate us or fancy us, you know, because of where we've come from. And that's probably, uh, if you can remember back, well, years ago when we were in like National 3 or National 2, um, some famous clubs who'd been up the leagues and used to come to our place and they didn't know where we were from. They didn't know what they were driving into. And actually it was quite good because they were unprepared. And a lot of sides have gone off with the tails between their legs, haven't they? You, you know that. It's um, it's not a great place to come to if you haven't prepared. And obviously now sides know and they prepare well and, and uh, you know, things have changed a little bit. But, you know, it's great. It's uh, I think we're all proud of what um, what we've tried to develop and what we've developed around the region. You know, our local derbies with Bedford have starting to become a little bit folklore, you know, because of the crowds that turn up for these, for these, you know, boxing day. I think we had five and a half thousand with Bedford two years ago when we went there. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's different times and with different challenges, I suppose, now with everything happening. Um, Paul, what's um, a club like Amtsil? You've been all over the place, uh, Harlequins, Newport Gwent Dragons, Rugby Lions, Bedford, of course, Stale. Uh, in your time, what what's kept you at the club for ten years, and and maybe Gully even more impressively at the point you came at the club in your career uh, after that start, what kept you at the club for for three years? Because you know, um, what's the atmosphere like there that that's that's different if it is different to other clubs? It, I'll I'll start on that. It's it, it is different to other clubs. I mean, Tommy touched on it when I when I signed. Um, I, I didn't want to go there. I'll be straight up. And I said that it, it was all I had was the, the contract from, from Amtel. And I, things hadn't ended well for me at Bedford. It doesn't never ends well when you, you don't have your contract. But 
you know, it was, I was like, oh, where am I going? And, and Paul, we had coffee over in Costa in Amtil, and then I started warming to it. And then Mark Clavery came and had, he came to our house and met Georgie and, and, and me, and we had a long conversation and started to think, oh, actually, this, and it's, it was my naivety or maybe arrogance, misplaced arrogance about, you know, what the club was. And like Tommy said, my first game for Amtil was for the, for the second team, uh, driving over there, hoping that there'd be some sort of roadworks to stop me from playing. <laughs> but then within within 10 minutes of playing, I'm like, and then you've got Mama Molotika, Aleki Latui, and all these guys on the sideline watching you go, I needed to sort my own shit out basically and sort of lose the arrogance and get fully involved with the club. And within within sort of two, three months of being there, you can kind of feel that it's different. I liked its values. I like the fact that it's a little bit old school. Um, it's got those old values, but it's, you, you know, you still go around on the pitch. I was the youngest youngest player in the front five at one point at 36, and I enjoyed that side of it as well. So, <laughs> nice. um, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's, all, all clubs are unique, but there is something, for me, there's something special. I think it came at the right time in my career. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for Paul. Uh, Paul tried to sign me a few years back, and we've always had a conversation over text, and and it was nice to work with Tommy, uh, and also and Mark Lavery, and it sort of it was it was just a good good place to be for me at that time. They welcomed in Georgie and and the rest of my extended family, so it's. It is a great club on that sense, um, and it's nice that we get to share the stories and get to chat to Tommy about it. But Tommy's journey is obviously that's just three years for me, and I was just three years of, of Tommy's ten-year journey. And you know, it's it started didn't it, Tommy, a while ago with with Billy Massey. Was it your first signing? Was he, or was it a bit later on? Yeah, we we were in. I think I finished the year I had. I had the six years down at the Dragons and traveling back and forth to London, just from South Wales. And then I had a year at Wasps, so I think it was there, last but one year at, at Wickham. And then Mark phoned me and um, just said, come and have a look at the place. And Stu Evans, the old Welsh prop, was um, was at Ampton with Clyde Griffiths at the time. And they were in national, I think it was London one, it was, Gully, I think. That's the, the, because Amtil, because it's um, on the cusp of um, the Midlands or London, they used to sort of go out of one league into another. And it was the league, the year they were in national, in London one, which I think is National League three now. Um, and yeah, I'd finished at Was and Lav came to the house and said, um, you know, come and join us. We'd like you to come with us. And But we're in National 3 Midlands next year. So, um, yeah, we, I was going to places that I'd never been before. You know, it was Syston, it was Leicester Lions, South Leicester, Sandbatch, which I'd been two years before in my time up at Sale, um, and places. And very humbling. There were some great clubs along the way. Um, and yeah, we managed to win that league that year and go international two south, which um, you know again famous clubs, your Red Roots, you know your Cliftons, um, all those clubs that we never thought we'd play really, you know. And then obviously we got, I think the, that year we got to a playoff final and lost in about the hundred and seventh minute in Darlington, and. Um, and um, yeah, it, that was probably one of the worst days in my rugby life again. Um, and we grew up the following season and actually got promoted, beating Bishop Stortford at our place in a playoff and went into National One. 
four years in there and then obviously got the promotion um, to the championship where we've been ever since. So it's been a great journey. Um, as I said, I'm really proud of the way the club has come on some bounds, you know, in on and off the field. Um, and, the, you know, even now there's still another challenge to, to take it even further, really, which would be to establish ourselves in this division. Um, it hasn't been made any easier with what's going on with um, the RFU and the funded issue. But, um, yeah, we're still up there. And as I say, <laughs> could have easily been third this week in the division rather than eighth, you know. Is it the club you've now been at the longest, uh, Paul, in terms of coaching? Yeah, I, look, I, I started coaching, I think, in um, as a player coach in 1991 in Newport. I left in 92 to go to Sale. And I had five strokes, six years there when, yeah, we went, I was playing and coaching then at the time, but we went into the Premiership. I left to go to Bedford and had... I think three seasons there and we got into the premiership then at that time. It didn't last long for Bedford, but Sale had been there and never never left since. So um yeah, this sort of my time at the Dragons was six years, but mainly as a head coach. Uh I had four years at Quinn's actually in between that. And uh, that was great times. And um yeah, this ten years definitely, definitely been the longest. Um period uh, feeling part of the furniture now jack but um you can never rest on your laurels you know and uh, but it's, it's been great the intent of mark lavery when i first talked to him and nothing has changed since you know we've always um we've always been the underdog which as i said earlier it's starting to become a little bit besides no we are these days you know gully mentioned cornish pirates early on and uh, you know we had a great win down there i think we were uh, in the 10 game season and it was probably the greatest win in the club's history but um we've got them in a couple of weeks time at our place and they surely will be different now from when we last played them because they'll be well aware of what even with a new side we've got, they'll be well aware of what we can do. So, um, yeah, the, you know, sides like Pirates and as, as Gully mentioned, Ealing and Jersey are right up the top of our league. So they're sides that we need to compete with and, and hopefully beat, you know. It wasn't so long ago that Ealing were, were similarly looking for, to establish themselves in, in the championship. Is that a, do you know if, if Mark Lavery is sees Ealing as as a sort of club to at least in terms of the model um, similar to, to Amptill at all. Um, it's Mike Gooley, isn't it? That runs. Um, he's a trail finder guy, isn't he? I think. Uh, yeah. I think it takes a lot of money really to to get where Ealing are at the moment. Um, and obviously they benefited from their benefactor. Um, and I think Gully mentioned uh, they are the side to beat this year if, uh, within no shadow of a doubt. And uh, you could well say it's probably between them and Pirates at the moment. Jersey and Bedford would have a lot to say about that. But um, you've only got, got to look at the, some of the results from the first sort of six games of the season that Ealing have been involved with and you, you'll notice that. Um, um, There'll be a wide, a very wide um, difference in the funding from Ealing to, say, the bottom club, London Scottish. And, yeah. you know, we're one of those clubs that we don't work on on much of a budget. It's it's good enough to be competitive, but um, you've just got to look above us, you know, and your neighbours, Bedford, would be working on a lot more than us. Um, and ultimately... Um, you look at the teams most weeks and their bench and uh, in the 23-man squad and and there's some benches uh, probably more funded than my team, you know. So um, it's going to be difficult. 
Um, but I keep on saying we could be third now rather than rather than eight or ninth in the league. So sometimes it's not all about um, budget. If you can get your side playing, and we're new, so we're going to improve, um, and we need to to stop getting those defeats in the last minute. Tommy, I'm just going to uh, just if we just lighten up a little bit about sort of obviously you've had ten years at the club, and I know personally some of the characters that have been through that rugby club. Uh, <laughs> one that sticks out is a guy called Johnny Morgan, whose nickname was Cat Piss, who's got a sign on the uh, sign on the door. But there's, um, I don't know if you can, uh, comfortable sharing with some of the some of the characters you've had over the year that's years that sort of stick out, and and maybe a couple of tales from 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 there that you can share, but not throw anyone too much under the bus. <laughs> yeah, there's been some great trips from the gully. You know, it's. Um, it was a bit, bit folklorish, but um, I think that's what made us, you know, all our trips that we, I don't know where we, our northern trips were quite good, weren't they? Uh, I think the Johnny Morgan story was started in Exmouth, I think. It was Exmouth, which turned out to be an international day, and we stayed in their club and watched um, an international, and then I think it was a, everybody stripped off or something in the club, and that was what happened. And then usually, which was similar to last year with, um, with the Cornish Pirates win, we, we left quite early, like we did an early kickoff in Cornish Pirates and went out of Penzance with the sun shining and we'd obviously won, so it's pretty euphoric. Uh, got to the local spa or whatever it was. And I think by Taunton, most of the, um, most of the young boys were asleep <laughs> by the time we got to Taunton. Most of most of the um, yeah Drunk. most of the youngsters were gone, you know. So um, we were just for them, yeah. that's they're, they're gone because they're pissed or just gone because they're tired. Ah, uh, pissed, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but that was our only journey last year, and you know we didn't because of COVID and and, and everything. We we didn't uh, we didn't travel and we didn't. Uh, I think our our longest game we didn't go to Doncaster and we didn't go. So that was our only bus trip, really. You know, we didn't go to Jersey because it was all over by the time they came to us. So most of our trips were short. Um, but the long bus trips, yeah, have been great. Um, they call it, you know, bonding and all that. But you can well imagine what what some of our trips were like years ago. You know, it's, it's like the old Welsh trips, basically. And the old Welsh trips were just from one valley to another, you know, or we now and again we go to Gloucester or we go to Bristol or we go to Coventry, you know, but back in the day the bus trips, some of them were Wednesday night trips as well, you know. So um yeah, they were great, uh, great days really in the in the lead up to where we are now. Yeah, Jack, just so um, for the listeners, it's uh I've sort of I don't mind it. People know that, and um, it got they, there's two buses. There used to be two buses at Amtil, so you'd have the bus, the magic bus that got you home nice and quickly, and you have the fun bus, uh, the, the magic bus, and the fun bus. Yeah, two buses. If you want to want to get home early from a way trip, you jump on the, the quick bus, no right. drinking, you know, everything's you know, you're good. <laughs> fun bus, <laughs> you've got normally uh, messes, lavery down the front, um, and Tommy in the middle somewhere, and we just you just have a, a few beers. Dark fruits used to be the the tip when we were when I was there. Dark, uh, again, sorry, yeah, Ben. Dark dark fruits was the, dark was fruits. the yeah, everyone's drinking strong by dark fruits. Don't know why. Uh, and as you can imagine, it was it was quite messy. No toilets on there. So it's proper old school sort of bus. Uh great, great fun. But it got to a stage, and this is the bit that sort of might shock a few people that know me, is that 
I was swerving that bus to go on the magic bus. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how sort of loose it'd get sometimes. But it was, uh, it's, it's fond memories. Uh, it's, it's good that I know you have the big bus every now and again now, Tommy, and you know, you've, things have changed a little bit, but I think it's an important part of the game sometimes that, they, that those bus trips can happen. And it's, I've got great memories of them. It's changed for me actually, Gully. The other week, because I mostly moved, I live up in the Midlands, now I live up in Stratford. So um, we went up to London a couple of weeks ago and uh, to London Scottish and went on a pretty bleak Saturday. And I knew the boys were on the bus going back to Ampdale and straight after the game. So it would have been good. I just got in my car and drove up the M40 and I was just sulking all the way, you know, <laughs> all the way up. <laughs> Something that's just new for me at the moment. So I've, I've not been on the bus this season yet, um, which is quite sad, really. <laughs> I think there's a lot of Saracens players that are still gutted about missing out on proper away trips in the Championship last year. I think, for example, Maratoje's visit to Doncaster consists of him having a view over Doncaster Racecourse. That was about as, as about exciting as it got, I think. I don't think um, that they, with the shortened season and everything else, they, they, they really missed out on that one. Oh, mate, yeah, they had, I think they support, I think I, I know they're, what are they called, the Sarah Supporters Group, and I know a couple of those mm. guys. They, they're proper gutted about missing out on some of those away trips, as well as the players. Um, so I think I've mentioned it before. It's a, it's not only a good experience for supporters, but it's a great development tool for for young players coming through. Like Tommy, we've we've had Ben Earl and Nick Zigwe, and you've had Will Evans. Uh, you've mentioned Stewart, Alex Mitchell. You know, all these, yeah, Alex, we had Alex Mitchell. We, you know, all these guys that. Had it had a little dabble in it. Uh, Fortunate, fortunately, Gully, the um, the window in the Pirates. We had three or four of the young Saris boys, and they yeah. couldn't believe they couldn't believe what a trip it was. Especially when you win, isn't it? You know. So apparently, they were applauded in on the Monday at uh, at Saris um, when they got back, and they sang a song. Apparently, Saris did because obviously Saris went down there and lost last season. You know. Yeah. So, these, wow. these, so who were those players? Oh, you had who was with us was Wainwright, Cream, I think, Stonham, and uh, yeah. Josh Hallett. Yeah, they were, they were all with us that day, I think. Um, oh. and they experienced uh, something that we had, a, we had a big bus that day as well, Gully, big, a real big one. So they, they experienced something that some of our players don't experience. So it was yeah. one of those trips that just happened, um, by chance, really, you know. Um, and these like, guys that they will remember these trips, so, you know, it's. I know, um, who did I bump into? I bumped into uh, Gabe, uh, I, I just, I was Gabe, Gabriel that plays for, uh, Gabby that plays for Wasps. Yeah, he, he, he played for us, yeah, yeah. He played for us and he, he, you know, and I bumped into him somewhere in a service station. It's like, all right, Gully. And it's, you know, it's it's nice for you as the older player that they recognise it. And it's, but they've yeah. experienced those those yeah. days us where it's very yeah. different to their day-to-day -day role. And it's a real key part, I think. Of, yeah. uh, We've just got George Thornton, now Gully just rejoined us from um, oh. from, from, from Glasgow. So um, he's just come back and that was immediately, I think that's what tipped the scale. <laughs> the fact, the fact. So where I live now is like about five miles from Wasmey training ground. And I went in there two weeks ago and Gabby was straight over, you know, I was going straight away, you know, so. I don't know whether it's the rugby or the bus trips, actually. <laughs> I think I think it might be the bus trips, you know, mate, because George <laughs> would have been on the and he's like, right, where do I sign? 
Blow rugby's been good, Gally. Come on now, it's not. It's not all about the bus trip. It's, you've got to win where you go, otherwise oh, yeah. the bus isn't very good. Is it? It's, it's shit yeah. for now, then it's after an hour, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good times, though, mate. Good oh, um, has it? Has it crossed your both your minds actually? But some of the score lines from this season in the Premiership versus your match with Saracens last year, last year, last season at least, until sixty nine. Uh, actually, wrong way around. Sorry, Saracens sixty nine. Until twelve. Um, Bath this year, of course, seventy lost seventy one seventeen, uh, and then yeah. recently as well, Wasps fifty Wasps lost fifty six fifteen. I mean, you know, to have Amptil conceding less than Bath within four months of each other against Saracens um, and Amtil's match against Saracens was an away match to you. I mean, has that, has that yeah, crossed your yeah. mind? How, how, what do you, how do you interpret that and what do you say about the gulf between the two leagues when people talk about it? Uh, it's, quite, it's a lot different, Jack, really, because I was a little bit like Gully, actually, when he said he, he drove that place, that team in his debut for Amtil. Um, the second team debut and he was hoping that um, there was a traffic jam and he couldn't get to the ground and it was the same when we went to Saris on that Monday night back um, seemed, seemed five minutes ago but it, I think it was the end of May um, yeah. and yeah. Uh, we we copped it because I knew it was building up that they'd have all the British Lions back as well yeah, and I think exactly. Cornish, well, Cornish Pirates did everyone in the division no favours at all when they beat Saris on that first game because it just sort of got them thinking, well, we can't afford to lose another game. So by the time our game came, I think it was game six or seven, um, they needed to beat us. So out came the British Lions that night. And it just happened to be, and we had to agree with it, that the, the night of crowds as well. So we had, I think there were so many allowed in that night. And I did, I, I, you know, it, it could have got really messy, but my players that night, you know, I had to be proud of them, what they did, and we scored two tries against Saris, and I know we copped it towards the end, but we were always going to get outclassed with the strength of their squad. Um, so, yeah, look, it's um, these fixtures recently with... I have thought of what you said, but no, we, you know, there's, there's, there's still a huge gulf, and the gulf will be to do with with finance, really, in the Premiership and the best club in the Championship, as Sarri's proved in the playoffs with Ealing. You know, they, I think they beat them an aggregate of a hundred and something, didn't they, in both those games? So um, that hasn't stopped Ealing recruiting since, mine, and probably they're a lot stronger now. So. I don't know, I suppose what you're getting at. If Ealing played Bath next week, who would win the game? I, you know, in current situation, it'd be pretty tight. But Bath, you've only got to look at their injury list and, and uh, the amount of world-class players they've got, then really it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be close, really. You know, but that's rugby for you, I suppose. Just in terms, just Tommy, just like, you know, you've experienced before coming into the Championship, you've had, you know, you've got Premiership experience, your role with the Welsh RFU. One of the questions I wanted to ask is sort of, you know, the, the difference in pathways within within sort of the Welsh pathway, potentially comparing to the to the English pathway. You know, where's where the strengths and weaknesses of, of both, and which 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 model? Where where do you see the role? It's pretty loaded. I do. I tend to do this, mate. Sorry. Uh, like the the role of the championship long term, in your opinion, regardless of funding. Um, obviously, it's a big part, but in terms of pure player development, it's it's a pretty important cog, isn't it? For yeah, whether yeah. you're under, 
English, Scottish or Welsh, it's a great tool for those players, isn't it, to be in it? Yeah, I think it's different in Wales these days, obviously, since the um, advent of uh, regional rugby. But that's, that's, that started in 2005. So um, it's a little bit different. What do I view? You know, I've been through I've been through the championship in different forms. Like I've been through the championship in a form in the 90s where Sale got promoted. Bedford had to go through playoffs. We went through one playoff, I think, one year where we got beat by Bristol, Coventry got beat by London Irish, and then there was a playoff final. Um, yeah, you would have been at one of those games. Yeah, yeah. Um, not, not playing. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, sort of going on then. Yeah, we won it outright one year with Bedford. So all these championship sides, I think it's, uh, I suppose what I'm getting at is um, there'll be major players, you know. The one year we beat Newcastle, they had Tigamala, Rob Andrew, Tim Stimson, John Bentley, um, Doddy Weir, Nick Popplewell, all those sort of players in that division. Um, everybody at that time, and you know, this Delhi, you know, we were, we had sort of Ray Estrelli or Fire and Paramore. Um, Coventry signed some good players that year, so the championship was it was what it was at the time. Everybody wanted to get into the Premiership, you know, and um, there wasn't a gulf. I didn't feel there was as much to the gulf there is. The gulf has been created, obviously, with the finance. You can't you can't um, you can't look away from that. Um, but now we've come to a situation where, and everybody's doing it at the moment, you've got to understand how many England players have come through via the championship. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing a hell of a lot over the last 10 years. Um, so if that isn't allowed to happen, I don't know where the development of, of, uh, of the leagues under, because we just become, I suppose, underneath it just become community leagues, isn't it? You know, which yeah. is amateur. Um, you've got to look at other countries. As I say, Wales is a little bit different. Um, Ireland's always been provincial. Scotland have gone to there too, but they've got that Super 6 going now, which will probably develop players for their top league. And then you go to France, which is completely different because the first three leagues in France are heavily funded, um, you know, via the rugby union and the government, I suppose. So... We're missing a trick, I think. You know, if if the league in if the championship is allowed to just drift, which it seems that way at the moment, um, we're missing a trick for the future of English rugby. You know, it's as simple as that, really. Yeah, it's um, something I yeah, it's 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 so valued and undervalued, isn't it? It's, it's a weird one. It's just, but hopefully, sort of the old review will something will come out of it and something positive. It needs some positivity and positive news. Which has happened a little bit more this season, so let's let's hope they uh, they, they they get the funding bit sorted and also maybe potential sort of commercial opportunities within the league. You're listening to the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We've got Will Maisie on the line now, Bedford Blues fly half and the creator of of some big headlines over the weekend, uh, Majestic Blues turn the tables down in Hartbury. Um, Will, congratulations on, on the win at the weekend, uh, yourself playing a key part in the victory at the Alpass Arena. Before we get into, into that, you're in your car. Uh, where exactly are you? And uh, you've been working this morning, is that right? Yeah, I have, yeah. Um, had a few meetings this morning. I'm actually in Tame in Oxfordshire. Uh, just a little, like a 
of Starbucks uh, car park next to some horrible car wash, but uh, it's needs must. And it's, it's got the essentials. It's got, it's got the coffee and it's got some snacks. Subway's around the corner, so... I'll be piling into Subway after, after this podcast. <laughs> oh, it's zero. Um, and what, what was the uh, what was the work this morning? What's your what's your profession outside of rugby? Uh, so I am a marketing manager for a chiropractor in Tame. Um, so yeah, I do all sorts of things from creating adverts, um, social media, just creating content for that. Uh, do all like the Google Analytics, basic just general marketing really for for yeah this chiropractor. Um, and yeah, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. But mate, that's really interesting because you know there's there's an opportunity for that with this podcast if you're keen, free of charge, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can sort we can, we can sort that's some out okay. for sure. And, and then you can name yourself in team of the week every week, uh, <laughs> by your chiropractor team. <laughs> mate, good, mate, it's good good to have you on. Um, before we get into your sort of career, um, let's just rewind because we've had a bit of a up and down year this year. Um, but then you managed to turn it around at the weekend against um, Hartbury after a, a tough loss at home to, home to Richmond. So, what was said in the, the week after Richmond, and you know how did, how did you prep for the the game down at Hartbury? Uh, we're pretty disappointed with the result, Hartbury. I saw it Hartbury at Richmond uh, home because um, we've been playing pretty well most of the season, um, and we didn't really put any shots off against Richmond. Uh, I mean, the set piece didn't function as well as we'd hoped. Um, and yeah, we didn't we didn't really play to our strengths in that game. Uh, fair play to Richmond; they they caught us on the day and, and they had a, they played really well and they deserved their win. Uh, but then this week and the week all we spoke about was uh, just being a bit bit smarter um, the way that we play. Um, I mean, anyone who watched the game will see that we kicked actually quite a lot for Bedford Blues um, on the week because it was it's quite windy. It was, the conditions were pretty tough. Um, so yeah, it's just about managing the games, playing in the right areas. Um, and just being a bit more clinical when we get our chances. because um, And thankfully we did. We, we, we analysed a little bit of space in the backfield and found some space, found some grass, and, and thankfully it paid off. Yeah, it must, be, uh, it must be nice sort of having Dino back there and, you know, the back three at Bradford. Yeah, for you personally playing at fly half, you've got some some real flyers out there to, to sort of you get a bit of set-piece ball. It's, <laughs> it's the Bedford way, isn't it? And you can just let them go. But you seem to have, seem to have settled in a lot more this year, mate, and... Things are going well for you personally. Is that is that sort of is that post COVID or you know what what do you put that down to? I actually think last year for me was was really good. Um, I know it was only a short season, and that was quite frustrating, but um, it was good in the sense that I was still learning what the best way really was, and 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 like I, I'm all for playing this expansive game. I absolutely love it. I love chucking the ball about. Um, happy to play from anywhere. Um, and, that, and that's what Bedford. If the uh, if the space is there, they'll back you one hundred percent, and um, and they won't judge you on that. Um, and it just it, it gave me loads of license to basically just be a rugby player and not think about too much about structures, about you know finding opportunities in in gaps and defences and stuff. And and uh, yeah, so last year I think it was great for me because I could learn without there being any real pressure. Um, so, so yeah, for, for this year, it's, it seems to have done all right so far. Yeah, it's interesting, mate, because if you sort of you look at your listeners, you speak there and you're, you're playing sort of CV and, you know, you, we, you started at Knotts in the league, I think, playing. Mm. Were you, where were you before Knotts? You were at Knotts Uni or London Uni? Yeah, I was at uh, Knotts and Trent. Yeah. 
So, and then you said, played a bit in that one and then sort of made your debut against Bedford, which I was playing. And I can remember you in that game, mate. I was like, who's this kid? Never seen him before. Streak of pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, still on the burning cars, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just, just talk us a, bit, a little bit about, like, the, the start of your, your journey within the league um, and professional rugby, sort of coming out of uni in, into it and sort of how, how the journey's progressed and to where you are now or, or little bits in between yeah so um to begin with i was at, at Notts trend um like i mentioned and neil fax was the head coach who at the time was the forwards coach for nottingham uh and i had quite a season for Notts trend um we we won our league in the end uh which was like the second league in in the university leagues uh and he said to me after the season he's like um look opportunities for you to come and train with with nottingham um it was just training to begin with. Uh, I'd actually signed for Leicester Lions, um, but they'd agreed that I was okay to go and train with Nottingham um, and then had quite a good pre-season. I was a bit, bit fortunate in the fact that uh, Dan Mugler was actually injured at the time. So I was only the... Re and Rory Lynn was also come back from injury. Um, so whilst I was training with Nottingham, I was pretty much the only 10. Uh, managed to get a few games in pre-season, went well. Ended up being the Leicester Tigers in pre-season. Uh, I had quite a good game in that game and uh, and then, yeah, they signed, sort of uh, agreed that I play the first league game. Thankfully, it went well in that one. Um, kicked my goals in that one and we won. Uh, and then, yeah, signed for the season after that, uh, off the back of that one. So uh, that's where it all began. Thankfully, Neil Fouts gave me an opportunity to train and, and just took my opportunity when it came. It's, it's we often say that it's sort of, it's a little bit of sliding doors moments, isn't it? Sometimes, mm. but it's always you get the opportunity, but then it's then it's down to you, the individual, isn't it, to to knuckle down and and, and get going. Falks is obviously a, a good coach. I've known Falks for a long time. He's mm. a very good coach, and congratulations to him. Who was the head coach at Nottingham at the time, and who was looking at Falks? It was uh, Martin Hugs, the head coach, and Ben Johnson was the backs coach. Uh, and yeah, they're both great. Uh, all coaches is at the time it was my first professional gig, so. Um, I'd never been into, into like a coaching environment like it. Um, so it's an eye opener for me, really. Uh, like never really done any analysis in National One. I've just been told, right, this is where the space is going to do this. So I just go and try and do it. And and yeah, when, when I got into this environment, I, I sort of thrived in it because um, I could see more. But it basically gained a better understanding of the game. Um, so yeah, it helped massively. When you put it like that, Will, it sounds like a straightforward step up. From university you got given a chance and you, and you took it and you played did you feel like you were at the pace of the championship right from the off then um in a way i guess i did but i think it's because i was playing with so much freedom because it was sort of my only chance at that level um i had no i had nothing to compare it with so i just played the way that i play uh, and thankfully at the time it was, it was going well and I was listening to the coach's advice and taking it on board and yeah I, I basically I was, I was a bit quiet I just listened to what they were telling me to do and I, I was trying to put that into my own game uh, and I was developing and, and thankfully yeah um, I guess I guess yeah I got to speed pretty quick after after the help of all the players and the coaches. And then sort of after Nottingham is it because that's when we sort of played together wasn't it so you came to Amsterdam yeah. after that wasn't it and you know it's you know, we've <laughs> I see your face then, but it's you know things things in people's rugby careers don't always go smoothly, do they? You know, and you know it wasn't your most 
enjoyable time, I don't think, because I think that's fair to say as a player. Um, but you sort of, you know, that's that's part of life. And do you look back at that with sort of, how do you look back at that time at Ampton? Is it, obviously, didn't things go well on the field, but it must have helped with your development sort of with, with, with other things. To be honest, um, I, I, I mean, pretty, I didn't really enjoy my time there, mainly because I was playing at outside centre and on the wing and positions that I knew very little about. Um, and yeah, I didn't really get that run at 10. And also, Antwerp have their DNA. Yeah. It works for them. It wasn't the way that I want to play rugby, but they're so good at what they do. As you can see, they, they turn over teams all the time in the league. Um, and, and what they do is, is works for them. It, for me, it wasn't how I wanted to play. As a 10, I wanted to control the game a bit differently, um, express myself a little bit differently to how Amtil style of players. Um, so for me, it didn't work as well as I'd hoped. Um, but I did learn a lot because playing out on the wing, playing at 13, I didn't know what those guys do. I didn't. I don't think I appreciated what they actually do, especially in defence and, and things like that. So that actually, in, in a way, it helped my game management a little bit because now I understand what these guys have to do, the work rate they have to go through. Um, yeah, so it definitely helped me at stage. But at the time, I think I thought... Uh, at the time, I thought, this is horrible. I don't want to be here anymore. Get me out. I can, mate, I can vividly remember some of the conversations I had with you. And it was, <laughs> you, were, you were battling a little bit. But then you probably scored the best try of your career away at um, Loughborough, didn't you? And, you know, you <laughs> yeah, the came on half time on the wing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> scored... The slowest winger in history, I think. But, um, yeah, managed to dot down and then nail the conversion to win it. And I think Lavrou's, <laughs> I think, I think he, uh, he quite liked me after that one. <laughs> and then, uh, then sort of Roland gives you the bow, doesn't he? And then you, you know, you go on that that great journey that you know that Coventry have, and that part, a big part of the story there. From you know they're sort of in National One and not really knowing where they're going. And then Roland comes in and he becomes a big juggernaut. And you know, you go on that great sort of couple of seasons, get promoted into the champ. And how was all that for you? Yeah, I mean those that four years at Cov um, was so enjoyable. Uh, the the season obviously we got promoted was just unbelievable. Um, the lads that we had, the team we had for National One, I mean, that you saw we kept most of that squad for the championship and we competed pretty well. Um, we had some unbelievable players like Sam Tutupo, like learning from guys like that. Just being able to watch him absolutely smoke people really five times a game was pretty enjoyable. <laughs> just seeing out the corner of my eye, just going, all right, yours, <laughs> I'll move to the next one. Uh, that was quite nice. Um, but yeah, no, I loved my time there. Um, like working with Nick Walsh, he helped me a lot for my game. I uh, got very close with him. Like we'd be on the phone a lot, talking about my game, talking about how I can improve um, my like things like game management. It definitely improved me that way. Um, and actually, our style of play at Cov, we start off in National One. We're quite similar to Bedford in a way. Like we play from most areas of the pitch. So when we got promoted, we learned pretty quickly we might have to change that. Um, so therefore, I had to change my mindset going into the games, going into the championship. Um, and yeah, so again, that is, is another massive learning block for me and, and it helped me helped me greatly. Yeah, it's, um, obviously I, we're both from Cobb, aren't we? Well, you're yeah. Leamington. Yeah, Royal Leamington Spa, yeah. You're from the posh bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. But obviously, uh, talk a few of the characters at Cobb then, there's, there's, there was a few, wasn't there? You know, how, how did you get on with my old man? That's always a question I like to ask. Got to ask that one in early. <laughs> Yeah, he a pretty tight fit by all of them. He couldn't manage me. That was the problem. That's why he was a tight <laughs> shit. 
No, I actually love Jerome, man. I absolutely loved him. Um, I've got quite a, yeah, I've got a bit of a story from him. We went to uh, Leinster pre-season and uh, a few of us, it's, yeah, it's quite a long story. I went boy with it, but we ended up going on that out in, in Leinster, in uh, Dublin. And um, I got back about 5.30, lost my phone, wallet, keys, couldn't get to my room. Strong. <clears throat> so, I, so I banged on the first window I could find, trying to let me in. Oh, Turns man. out to be your old man. <laughs> so I won't tell you what he said because it's uh yeah pretty X-rated, but he opens the window and goes, you like what do you want for things? I was like, Gully, I lost my keys. I was praying it wasn't gonna be gully, I was hoping it'd be anyone but any player basically. Turns out it's your old man. Uh yeah, so I wake him up middle of the night at like well, 5 a.m. He's absolutely fuming, throws me in, <laughs> grabs me, throws me inside, goes right, get in. Obviously, couldn't get to my room. So I just sat outside, fell asleep outside, waiting for him to step over my feet in the morning. But uh, oh. yeah, he got me good the next day. I had to do uh, a bit of a show and tell and uh, <laughs> had to do uh, a few dirty pints. He made me, he forced me to do it, unfortunately. But, yeah. I don't think, I, knowing my dad, like it's uh, that's the one bloke you don't want to be knocking on the window at. Oh no, yeah. I, the fear in my face, I can't imagine um, what it looked like. But yeah, I was, I was pretty frightened to say the least. He'll love getting a shout out as well. <laughs> cool. And then um, you sort of com- time at commentary ends. Um, was that just pre COVID, right? So, sort of. Uh, yeah, I was middle of the season actually. Um, I had a bit of a conversation with Roland. Uh, my contract was running out, all, all the funding cuts were happening. Um, COVID already had three more tens signed up for the next year. Um, so it was sort of a bit unlucky at the time. The time wasn't great for me. My contract was running out. They had 10s already playing for next year. They were looking at next year as opposed to looking at the year they were playing already. So I, was, I wasn't getting many minutes. Right. Uh, so I basically asked, like, is there any way I can go and play some rugby? Uh, and at the time, uh, I think Will Hooley went down injured for Bedford. Um, and so they were looking for a 10 worked out quite nicely in my favour unfortunately for him obviously but got an opportunity at Bedford played the one game Newcastle away I mean not a bad game to go and play um, we got pumped but night out was decent uh, <laughs> and then uh, yeah and then the Tuesday after that it was Covid so I played one game Covid hit didn't get to finish the season off so wow it's, yeah. it's crazy when you look back now isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it's frightening because I played one game. I uh, didn't know what my season would look like next year because I didn't know Beth were going to keep hold of me. Um, yeah. Fair play to Beth, they properly looked after me. Um, yeah, they, they gave me assurance I was going to get paid. They made sure that, um, yeah, well, they sorted me out big time and, and I'm so thankful for it, to be honest, because um, uh, COVID, yeah, I could have been not playing at all. Yeah. And obviously this season, repaying that faith uh, in many different ways, Will. Does it does it matter to you personally? Do you do you enjoy the feeling of being top point scorer in the league? Does that is that important to you to kind of give you a confidence boost, or or do you not need that? Um, I mean, obviously it's it's nice. I really like it, um, and along that continue. I really hope it stays that way. Um, but there's so many quality players in this league. I mean, even for at Bedford, like I'm competing with Luke Mulby, who's an unbelievable 10. I mean, Gully will know from playing him at Amtil and seeing him down there. And, and um, yeah, he, he can manage the game really well. So I've got some really good competition at the club and I've got really good competition in the league. So, I mean, I understand that there's going to be times where I might not play and, and Lou will play because 
the player he is and the quality we have in our squad. Um, so, I mean, fingers crossed, as I'm, if I keep playing, hopefully I'll just keep keep uh, knocking the tally, uh, keeping it ticking over. But uh, it's not something I set as a target from the start of the season. But when you're there, you sort of think, oh, I wouldn't mind staying here for the rest of the season. So, so as uh, end, end of a match and the points are on offer, it becomes a bit more attractive <laughs> than going to the corner. <laughs> yeah, I do always say, oh, three points on offer here, Lena, or what do you reckon? Um, keep me ticking over. But unfortunately, with Bedford, we keep scoring out wide at the moment. It's a bit annoying. So... <laughs> Uh, when it starts getting windy, I might have to tell him to start running underneath the sticks. When um, when I was there, James Pritchard, Pritch would only kick the goals in between the 15s because we'd always score on the edge. <laughs> his kicking record was outstanding because he only kicked them in the 15s and then he give the, the hard ones to someone else, mate. So that's, you know, just a little... That's a, yeah, that's a good tip, actually. I might start taking that one in. I think. <laughs> uh, well, sometimes I think we're, we're a little bit... Sometimes we can be a little bit Bedford heavy on here, but I think there is always a... You know, you've, you've been around the league and you know, and the stud of the club. So just, I think it's okay to talk positively about them. And, you know, it's what, how, how have you settled into the actual, the way of the town, the life you're living in Bedford, uh, the supporters, because it's, it is a great place to play within the league. And all the, even when I wasn't playing for them, playing at Bedford away was, was one of the, one you always look forward to. And then, you know, how's it been a Bedford player compared to not being a Bedford player with other teams? What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I've been to be honest this season especially I've been getting so much um, so much love from the Bedford supporters uh, it's been mental like getting loads of tweets like messages just after games that's great you're going to the marquee like how is the marquee by the way a bit of live music and everyone's buzzing especially after a win um, and yeah they're just they're just they're so good um, they're really really nice people I haven't met anyone that I don't want to chat with at the moment at Bedford it's just great um and, and yeah, they've been really welcoming all, all year. Um, and it is it is different because when you go there and you get it's obviously the biggest crowd in the in the league at the moment. Uh, it's always nice to play at Golden Rose, but yeah, it's even nicer playing them as a Bedford player. Um, so I used to quite enjoy playing at Golden Rose because the games always good fun because it's quite open games uh, and large crowds. But having large crowds behind you now is, is yeah, it's ten times better. Absolutely loving it. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question where I'm living I'm not actually living in Bedford at the moment um, just before Covid whilst I'm still at Cobb actually uh, me and my missus bought a place in Milton Keynes oh, okay. uh, she's from Milton Keynes so that's why it wasn't too bad a commute I was actually commuting to Cov with Fenner um, so it worked out alright um, uh, yeah so I bought that a month before Covid uh, yeah so thankfully yeah. don't have to travel too far now to Bedford so it's even better 20 yeah. minutes down the road <laughs> Good to hear you sort of running down the road and enjoying life at Bedford. It is, it is a special club, but there's there's lots of special clubs within the league that was which is good. Um it's good for us to be able to share those stories, I think. And you know, it's it's long way to continue. Mm. Yeah, massively. This weekend, Will. The big boys are uh, the big boys are in town. How much do you um licking your lips at, at trying everything out against them? Yeah, I mean, um, it's a great opportunity for us. Uh, Ealing, obviously, a fantastic side. Uh, you've seen what they've done the last two weeks. They've, they've stacked loads of points on teams. Um, and it's not a massive surprise. Like, look at their squad. They've got a great squad. Um, but, I mean, if we play to our strengths, um, who knows? I mean, we've got nothing to fear. We're, we're going to play the best way and, and, and we'll give it 100%. And, and we'll see what happens. Um, last year, even in the COVID year, 
we didn't have our fans and after an hour I think we were ahead um, so if we can get something similar to that with the crowd on our backs this time you know who knows um, we'll go there with no fear and we'll, we'll give it our best yeah, it's certainly an appealing matchup isn't it to go to Goldington Road this week I know there's a lot of other rugby on this time of year but um, yikes that'll be that'll be such good fun to watch that yeah well it'd be um, it'd be about to wouldn't it and you know you think that Pirates turned them over didn't they and you mm. think you can get a bit of parity up front and can you can you mm. release the backs and you know, it's you, you. You get one score in front, or you might get another, and you start chipping away at that lead, and anything can happen. And you know, it's it'd be good for the league. It would be great for the league if Bedford could nick one um, and just tighten it up at the top again. And you know, you you draw yourselves back into that race as well, then, don't you? So it's I'm not putting any pressure on you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the league, could you just do, do a yeah. job? With you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll like I say, we'll do we'll do our absolute best, and. Uh... I honestly believe if if, um, if we start well, we stay in the game for a long period of time. I think we've got a great chance, but um, a lot will depend on us and how we how we start and how we um, how we manage the game. If uh, you know what they're like, if they can get on top of you, then they're relentless and they're they're very hard to beat. So yeah, it'll be about us and uh, and fronting up, especially like you say up front and um, being physical because I mean there aren't many more physical sides than you at the moment. Yeah, well, mate, all the best for it. Yeah, absolutely. And one one final question. Well, I was just gonna, you know, do, do you ever look at your opposite man and and, and think, oh God, I'll be facing them them this week. That'll be that'll be interesting. I, I want to look at their weaknesses. I mean, Stephen Shingler possibly probably going to be the starter there for mm. for Ealing. Um, that must be. Have you faced you know big names uh, around the game? I'm sure, you have. Um, but uh, Shingler, not an international, one of the almost internationals. Uh, he almost got there, I think. 10 years ago or so, but didn't quite happen for him. Yeah, it's obviously a decent play. Yeah, him and Willis, they're both very good tens. Um, slightly different the way they play together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I look at their game, I, I analyse them, I'll, I'll see what I can uh, I can do to try and counteract their strengths. And um, and the fact is that they're both very good players. That's why they're healing and that's why they're doing so well this year. Um, but again, a lot of it will come down to... Uh, the big boys and how they front up um because i think man to man we've got a great chance but it depends on who can get that, that front football um because like i say Ealing wants to get that front football they've got great tens shinglan and willis and they, they know what to, how to play when they get to that front football and it, they do make it look very easy um so we're gonna have to try and counter that with some uh, some physical defense and then trying to be a little bit niggly i think <laughs> love that mate <laughs> so yeah mate um all the best saturday thanks for um thanks for coming on um do you know for me personally it's great to see you cheers well thanks a lot yeah it's great to see you doing well as well mate like being sort of super confident in your game because i know you had a bit of a tricky patch there so all the best with it mate and good luck good luck saturday yeah appreciate it, lads and uh, congrats on what you're doing the pod it's great loving it so cheers. thanks a lot cheers well cheers thanks, Johnny. cheers cheers well that was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter.